Memphis, 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 Hi, this is Tom Izzo at Michigan State, and you're listening to Grizz 901. What up, Grizz Nation? We are back with another episode of Grizz 901. I am your host, Daniel Greer, and we are coming back with part two. We're breaking down some other of the players as well as kind of moving on to next season and kind of what it looks like in the offseason this year. We are completely all in on the offseason. But we want to talk about two more players before we get into three of the most talked about players. So let's get into Ja Morant. So we're going to get right back into him. So give us what your thoughts are on Ja. He had the, the magical season. He had the great season. What's next for him? Daniel, it's great to be back on the podcast. I definitely thought I was about to be watching Netflix, but I'd rather be here with you. It's it's cool. It's chill. <laughs> oh, no, man. Ja Morant, I mean, what's next for Ja? Some form of yeah, – I don't know if it's regular season or finals MVP. I would assume it's one of those. I mean, dude turned into a full-on superstar. Like, there's still people talking at the end of the year about this Ja Morant is – his next leap is superstar. I'm like, what do you mean his next leap is superstar? Like he's in Memphis, Tennessee with Nike billboards and commercials. He's the centerpiece of commercials around the playoffs. Like playoffs. Playoffs. (laughs) Every time someone says that, my first thing is go to practice. You talk about practice. No, dude, he's already a superstar. I mean, there's stuff he can improve his game on. Obviously there's, defensively I think he's actually he's a more solid defensive player than people give him credit for he's just not as locked in on that end which he's got such a high usage on offense it's hard to expect him to stay that locked in defensively as well but um you know the three ball is something a lot of people talk about I I actually have not seen his end percentage on threes but I'm not concerned about his three ball as much as I am I think if he develops a little mid-range jumper it's game over like if he can get like that, just because the floater is awesome, but it's you saw in the playoffs where teams were like, you're not getting to this area. Right. If he can just get where he just knocks down that little free throw line jumper, which he was better at this year than some people think. He just didn't go to it a ton, but he probably didn't go to it a ton because he's not super comfortable. Right. Get comfortable with that. You become a true three level scorer. I mean, people talking about Trey Young's better because Trey Young's a playmaker, dude. People for did people just magically forget that John Morant's first two years he was pass first a hundred percent all the time. It was making these unbelievable passes. He'd maneuver dudes by doing ball fakes between his leg behind his back and then wrap around to Xavier Tillman. I mean, I don't know what people are talking about. Jaws on a playmaker. So that's the, the only two things you can improve upon are being locked in on defense all the time, which that's hard to do because you're using all the energy on offense and fell up in the mid-range game. But, like, <laughs> dude ended Jakob Bertle. <laughs> Rest in peace. Uh, whichever Beasley he dunked on, I don't know which one it was anymore. Just, I mean, he's just – I mean, I think the most exciting player in basketball. He's he's up there with – I mean, there's people to talk about with Giannis and Luca and 
you know, peak of power Steph as far as who is better, et cetera, et cetera. But there's not a more exciting player in basketball than John Morant. So all hail 12. Give them every penny. I don't know. Call the boosters. Let them pay them too. I don't even care at this point. Give the man all the money he wants. The boosters and all hail 12. Uh, those are great. Those are great. That's what I'm here for, man. All right. So, Ja, um, yeah, I think it's very simple in him. He's got to be a better shooter, and I do like the mid-range game. Uh, but somebody came out and said that John ja Morant will never be a worse shooter than he already is. And so that's what I look at is the simple fact that he played so well this year, and he finally got better at his outshot shot, but he also was able to get the floater and develop that. Ja's going to put on more weight, and I think that defensively, He's going to just buy in a little bit more, and I think he'll be completely okay. I'm not worried about him too much on that end because I think what they're putting around him, and as Jaron continues to keep getting better, especially the regular season, he'll be fine. It's all about the playoffs. Can he develop into a a big-time defensive player uh, in the playoffs? And that's where he's going to have to come to. But uh, I think Ja, being the shooter he is already, is going to be okay, but he's only going to get – better as a shooter and that's what i put my stake in that going forward he's going to be he's going to continue to keep getting better and that's what um, i'm excited about another guy who continues to keep getting better at shooting desmond bain he kind of took off for me this year and i think he he showed that he can get to the rim if need be and he showed that in that warrior series and so i'm excited to see what that next step is. I don't know what the next step is outside of dribbling. Like, just can he get better at dribbling and not just being crazy Dylan Brooks-ish with his dribble? So uh, what's your thoughts on Bain? I like that you say that he took <laughs> off for you. Like, he didn't take off for all Grizz fans, a city of Memphis, Josh Green in Dallas. He took off for everybody, right? Just, just for me. No, just for you. Sorry. He's, he's your special fellow. No, he I'm, I'm with you, man. I mean, the leap was pretty unexpected. I mean, to go from whatever he was last year, what was he like six points per game last year? Was it nine? Eight? I don't know. He's he's small gone, number. He's gone from the nickname honey bun in college to now being a legit, like 18 points or 16 points a game. Like I mean, he was score. better than all-star starter Andrew Wiggins, that's for sure, oh, until pretty much game six, which Andrew Wiggins, I mean, that, I guess that was us not rebounding. That was not Andrew Wiggins. But I think I'm with you. He, If he could improve as a dribbler, that would be awesome. I think getting a little more savvy with his cutting would be good too. Like, you know, he he showed a willingness to cut and an ability to cut, but – his thing is if we can get him open shots, if the Grizzlies can get him open shots, he is just a knockdown shooter, such a threat. But we saw in the playoffs a little bit when teams were like, you are not getting open. And obviously he had a back thing. He was a little yeah. hobbled. That definitely played a part in it. But, you know, I was I think we talked about after game three maybe that um, the way that the Grizzlies were guarding like a clay – Thompson, which are like, they're, we're not leaving you. That's what they were doing to Des. How can he improve his cutting, probably from a mental standpoint, so that he can get open in those kind of scenarios? Um, 
you know, dribbling would all obviously be awesome, but I don't think that's necessarily a huge thing. His thing is getting open and knocking down shots. And he showed an un- unbelievable ability to do that. And it's just find more ways to get open. And sometimes that can be shot creation, but he showed a big jump in shot creation already. So, I mean, sky's the limit for Desmond Bain, man. I mean, that dude, that dude will be an all-star. That's going to happen. I don't know yeah. if it's this coming year or the next year, but within two years, Desmond Bain will be an all-star. Desmond Bain makes $2.1 million next year, uh, this upcoming season, and then $3.8 as a team option. And then he's restricted free agent year to that. So, like, at that point, they're going to sign him. He, he's the next one. They're going to get an extension. But at what point do you just kind of stop backing up the Brinks truck? Like, you know, you got to set yourself up now. And this might be the time that you see the Grizzlies. Uh, they're going to be on three separate years. So you have uh, your Jaron Payday and your Ja and your Bane. You're going to start seeing where they do short-term contracts or veteran contracts uh, because I think that's really uh, what they're coming up on the next few years. Not this season coming up. They might with somebody like Tyus and even Kyle where you do, you know, one plus one potentially. Uh, where you both had to have a mutual agreement on that same amount. Uh, that could be, uh, but you never know because there's a lot of teams that don't have money this offseason, but they do this the following season. So you could get those two guys back on a just a one-year deal. So let's go ahead and go into Kyle. Uh, what's your thoughts on uh, Kyle Anderson this season, but also uh, his contract? Would you expect him back? Do you, you know, do you want him back? Like, you know, let's answer those questions. I thought Kyle was solid this year, but honestly a little disappointing. I mean, he the things that he was so good at last year sort of disappeared a little bit for stretches in the season. And that's not um, just the three-pointing, uh, three-point shots, three-point shooting. English is hard. <laughs> it was – the little mid range, get to your little middle of the paint shot that was just knocked down last year. I mean, if he took anything that was really three or I'm sorry, free throw line in, it was a good shot for Kyle. And it was just a lot more inconsistent this year. And then obviously the free throw shooting was pretty brutal this year. And so little disappointing in that respect. I thought his playmaking wasn't necessarily a sharp, but he was still a solid player, super reliable. His ability to defend close to all five positions, you know, was like four and a half was awesome and much needed for them. So um thought he was awesome. I do not expect Kyle back though. Wow. Um I, I sort of think Kyle gets traded because it's he's a free agent. Oh, sorry. Um then I don't expect him to get re-signed, probably, unless it's in a sign-and-trade. Because it's it, – what role does he fill that you don't want someone else to start filling on this team? You know, it's – if you want to do sort of the defensive versatility thing, you want Zaire to start growing into that role. If you want to do improved playmaking, you probably want – either ties to have his ball in his hands or see Desmond Bain improve or something along those lines. And I just, it may just be me, but the main thing is I don't see Kyle being on the best version of this Grizzlies team, the Hmm. top tier championship contending version of this team, just because he's, 
solid at everything, but if he's not going to be able to do those little things on offense, then what is he going to be great at for you? Really? You know, like defense, he's, that's where he's probably his best at is his defensive ability. And he's still not just right. Fantastic and great. Right. And the thing that this team really wants to do is run and spread the floor and knock down a bunch of shots. And that's just not Kyle strong suit. So he's, He's an awesome player, and it's not like I would be upset if he was back, but I don't expect him to get re-signed, if I'm being honest. Yeah, so the Grizzlies have, uh, they as currently constructed this year, they have 12 guys under contract, right? And you have two draft picks um, this you know in the first round, and then you also have a second rounder. So that's three if you're going to fill out your fifth team. So obviously, I think more than that happens. I think there's going to be some kind of a trade or uh, of whatnot, but – I like the team as they are currently constructed, but are they better than like next year with those 12 and you add three rookies? Are they better, you know, next year? No. And the only way I would say that is if for some reason they are better, that you'd have to have a huge leap out of uh, Jaron and you have to have a healthy jaw the whole year. And then uh, Desmond Bain has to take another leap. And then you got to have somebody step up with the likes of Zaire. Uh, Brandon Clark, D'Anthony Melton. You have to have somebody has to step up and fill that role, but there's no vets on this team. The only vet you would have on the team is Steven Adams. And at that point, well, you know, he's, he's your big guy and he is a vet, but I, I don't know if he's that, that guy who can speak uh, really the same, you know, language down to earth, you know, talking to the players as, as a dude. Um, no matter how cool or how nice he is, I just don't know if he can be on that level that maybe a Kyle or Tyus could. And so I really do think you have to have some kind of veteran leadership, and I think they both would want to be on this team. So that's where I bring you the the one-year deals. I think both those guys could be brought back on a one-year deal potentially. But with that being said, I don't know if that happens because even though the, the salary cap is going up, and they do have a lot of young players, you either got to pull back, such as they did with Jonas, pull back the vets and allow these young guys to go and see how they do, and then maybe you address that issue at, I guess, the trade deadline, possibly. But I don't know. I I think there are so many different ways you go, and I think the draft, will, the way it plays out, will be what happens in the free agency, such as if you can get your hands on a guy that's a solid backup uh, point guard who you feel like you feel comfortable with, you don't have to go and get Tyus anymore. I think you can, you can actually spend the money on a one-year deal for Kyle and just pay him 10, you know, $12 million for one year and allows him to go into next year. So I think there's so much you can do with that. And I think another part of that too, is I think Kyle will be more valuable to another good slash contending team than he would be to the Grizzlies. Yeah. But the problem with that is, why why would he want to leave okay unless he's going to make more money because he has a role in this team he gets minutes he has good chemistry with the team so if he's going to leave it's got to be for more money because there's not many places that he would go to that would be 8 to 10 million let's say the nets lakers you know places that people would think you want to go to to win a championship would he go there at that? They're not giving you a four or five million or four and five year contract. They're going to just pretty much just say, Hey, we'll bring you a one year on the vet minimum. 
or something like that or 8 million. Uh, so I, I'm curious how it goes. I don't know. I, I'm just, I don't know what direction is going to go in, in all honesty. Yeah. I, there's no telling, right? Cause the same thing he's, he is a really solid veteran player that like, it's the same thing as I, I, we talked about this with BC. I don't want Kyle to not be on the team. It's just in my head with what they want to build. He's not, the best fit like where they really need just a solid backup player like you're saying as like a point guard or even just like a reliable two guard type role like the thing you really want to be reliable on this team is shooters right because it's what you struggle with the most and he's such a solid player that could go in and fit in with like a celtics type team right that's an awesome team where i think he fits in really perfectly with what they need because they've got a bunch of people who can shoot but who's there to just keep the ball moving, keep things settled in, switch really well on defense? That's Kyle Anderson. Is someone else willing to pay him more than the Grizzlies to stay? And so, I don't know. Again, I I like Kyle. I hope he comes back. Uh, it's just one of those things where I I sort of anticipate that when inevitably, like we said on the last pod, somebody has to get moved. Somebody has to not come back. I imagine him being one of the ones that they're more willing to part with it others if that makes sense well let's get into another guy uh and no it's not Jarrett culver we're gonna go into tyus jones here culver uh, minutes baby <laughs> if you're seeing culver, Love me some culver minutes. if you're seeing culver minutes that means the grizzlies are even winning by a lot or losing by a lot <laughs> really good or really bad <laughs> and as uh ryan wants to talk about that he's seen a little wiggle and Jarrett Culver, like he thinks he can wiggle a little bit in the lane and, and get a shot. And then the next game, when it was a blowout, there was no wiggle. He was wiggleless. And so, Jarrett Culver, like thank that. you for your time. See you later. Uh, but go ahead, Tyus Jones. He's a dookie, baby. Pay the man. I want that dude wow. to be back on this team so bad. How much? He- All right, right now. He is currently ah crap. I just uh, I just lost where I was. No, I am. I'm here. Sorry, seven point six. Thought I was on the wrong screen. Seven point six million this year. So, with that being said, how much do you think he? You would have to pay him, and we'll say a four year contract, right? Four year contract. How much are you paying him? Well, so here's the thing. I'm really bad with numbers. So if I'm being honest, I'm just I'm I'm sort of clueless on this. <laughs> like all I know is to say, don't give him a minimum contract and don't give him a max <laughs> either. So I uh, I don't know. You you help me with the numbers. What what do you think would be good numbers for Tyus? I think he's going to at minimum he's getting paid twelve per year. All right. And so with that being said, you're getting twelve million. You know, four years, forty eight. So you'd have to have man. Four years and forty-eight million that you're going to give to your backup point guard. Now he has shown that he can be helpful in a series. He played um, in a you know full series with uh, Minnesota. He was very helpful in that, um, and that is his hometown. And they still booed him. We don't know why, um, but he has said that he wants to be a starter. So I don't know what direction you go with him, but. 12 million at least per year is what he's going to get or want. Well, and the thing that I, I 
noticed. I can't remember who put this out. It was not as as well circulated as some of the other quotes from the exit interviews. But Tyus said he wants to be a starter, but he loves it in Memphis. But he also said, but I even felt like a starter on this team at points, right? Which part of that is John Moran only played, I think, 50, what, 56 games regular season? Is yeah, that right? That, yeah. Um, and so he he was a starter for <laughs> quite a few games. Um, but Tyus's role expanded a lot more than last year. I think last year when they got to the playoffs, they went to Ja a lot, and it was one of those sort of riding on the wall, like, you're not going to pay Tyus because Ja is going to get all those minutes. But what we saw this year was at points, Tyus was your most reliable three-point shooter on the floor. Tyus and Ja minutes together worked a lot better this year than they did last year. And so you saw things start to get explored there that were, I think, unexpected going into the season. And at the end of the day, when Ja Morant goes out, you, you still have to find a way to keep that bench unit moving. And I think that this team has gone from rebuilding team to time to win team. I think going into this next year, this is a, we're here to win. We're not building any more year. Now, are they going to completely abandon the youth movement in that? I, I don't think so, but I think that you see them transition more from the, the big, we're at the beginning of this past season, Zaire was out there getting minutes purely for development, which obviously paid off in the long run. This next year is going to be, if they're putting somebody out there, it's to go win basketball games, even if they're young. And if that's the case, what kind of upgrades are you going to make to your bench unit where someone like Tyus Jones isn't needed to keep that unit moving? Right. And I, I understand you cut down, on your rotations in the playoffs, but somebody has to keep that unit running. And who are you going to get that can do that? That's not Tyus Jones. Cause just to be candid, I don't expect that leap from Melton. I don't think Conchar can come in and do that effectively next year. I don't think Bain's going to be able to fill that role next year. So unless you've got somebody that you're going to get in the draft as a rookie, you trust to do that, which is dicey. Or if you have another veteran, you're going to go get to go do that. I mean, who are you going to get that's better than Tyus Jones? And I think that's a more pivotal role on the team than some people realize. Like that's that unit is essential, and it all starts from the point guard spot. You can't just throw anybody in there, and that unit continue to produce. And somebody has to, and John Morant's off the floor. So, if it's twelve million, I would, yeah, I would pay him. And I mean, the comments from Kleiman, yeah, were pretty indicative of what they're willing to do. And I think Tyus prove to be important to this team now does that happen probably not but i don't imagine a team or does that happen not necessarily sorry not a probably not just not necessarily is that set in stone because somebody might be willing to pay tyus a lot more yeah. and if they go way up on that then obviously you don't yeah, want to match that looking back who is that that's the thing is what team is looking that's for- my thing because he's not going to make you like he you can he's a go-to score. He's not that player. He's a guy that if you put him on a championship level team and you paid him 10 to 12 million because you're saying, hey, he's gonna be our fourth option. If you put him as the point guard and on a on a team like the Minnesota Timberwolves and you moved on, you moved on from uh D'Angelo Russell. 
and you put him with Carlton Towns where he could run that pick and roll, right? Such as he does oftentimes um, with Steven Adams. You have a guy who is a, uh, a, a huge talent. He's a go-to scorer from any level. And that's Anthony Edwards. Plus you have the role players around that he can make better. He makes them better. That's the perfect team for him. And the only issue is D'Angelo Russell's still there. So with him being under contract another year, maybe that's where the one-year contract comes in and the Grizzlies pay him one year, $14 million to keep him. You know, And then he says, hey, I know that I can go back to Minnesota because they're not going to pay D'Angelo Russell $31 million again. And at that point, you have Carl Anthony Towns, maybe even a little bit better, Anthony Edwards even better, and then you have a surrounding cast. But at that point, where else does he go? Like, who else in the NBA wants him as a starter? That's the only team I can think of outside of maybe um, somebody like the Brooklyn Nets who move on from Kyrie and get another big piece back, and you have people that they just need somebody to fill that role to be uh, someone who can run the team, run the offense, and, and make sure keep the chaos at minimum. I, I don't know where you go. Yeah, and that's my thing is there's a spot for Tyus Jones to be a starter in this league, but I don't know if it's next year, right? Exactly. Just like you were saying, like Timberwolves makes a ton of sense. Minnesota kid coming home too. All that makes a ton of sense, but doesn't necessarily make sense next year. I think the Brooklyn fit is the one that might make the most sense to me. I sort of looked at New Orleans as well as a possible landing spot, which would hurt my soul, but – Kind of makes sense. The Devontae Graham experiment didn't really work well for them. Put him next to C.J. McCollum. That kind of makes sense to me a little bit. But outside of that, I mean, he's it's just the teams that it would make sense that they might pay him enough for him to leave. Do you really want to go to a limbo, perpetually stuck in limbo Wizards team? Doesn't make sense for him to go to Sacramento. Doesn't – do you think it makes sense for him to go to Portland? Who do they have now next to Dame? No, 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 no. They got Dame Simons. needs the ball in his hand. Yeah. He just does. And they, they got guards on guards anyways. Um, Pacers, they got Brogdon. Oklahoma City, that makes sense. Detroit, who do they have? Uh, what's his face? Not Jackson Hayes. Killian Hayes. Yeah. Killian Hayes is <laughs> there for the long haul for sure. Future NBA superstar Killian Hayes. Orlando doesn't make any sense. Houston doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, if someone like Brooklyn's willing to pay you to come there, maybe that makes sense. Maybe even a New Orleans would make sense. But New, um, or- no, New Orleans has Javante Graham locked up in, under until 24-25 season, $12 million a year. I bet they could move Javante Graham, though. Yeah, that's true. I haven't put much thought into it, but there's, there's no way they want to come back with Javante Graham, and I bet they can move him. That's, that's the only. That, I mean, they've, that's they've a good they're already they're already paying twelve million. So maybe you do a right. sign and you know sign and trade of some sort. And you bring the Grizzlies involved in that. You throw you throw a bone to the Grizzlies as in a pick of some you know because they do have a lot of picks. Maybe right. you throw the Grizzlies a, sec, a second round pick, you know, 25, 26 season, just for including them in there for a sign and trade. You're going to lose him anyway. So maybe right. that's the way they do it, and they send. Devonta Graham somewhere else. Uh, there's there's ways to do it and get around it. So who knows? Yeah. But all right, that's enough about Tyus. I, I don't know if he comes back. I, I'd really do like him as a player. I think he's consistent. I think he's Mister Consistent. But sometimes you have to move on, and you got to let these guys walk, especially if you're becoming a better team. Um, 
this is what you've been waiting for, people. And we want to talk about the island. The island's on fire. We not we're not sure if there is a uh, a fire hydrant for you know for you know we don't know if there's fire trucks. We don't know if there's a firehouse. We don't know that there's firemen. We just know that it's set ablaze and there's weed on the island. Can you smell that? Like there's something like somebody put weed uh, accidentally and you can smell it. It's just, it's, uh, it's on fire. It's the, the aroma. It's, it's weird. Um, all right, let's keep going about Dylan Brooks Island is on fire, baby. Talk to me about Dylan, the villain. Can confirm the island is on fire. Has been for a minute now. Are you the last one there? No, I'm not the last one there. There, trust me. People made it very clear I was not the only one on Dylan Rook <laughs> Island. Shouts, shout out to you, you, you strong individuals, really telling me what's what. Um, no, definitely not the last one on Dylan Brooks Island. Some people actually were just choosing to burn alive on Dylan Brooks Island, and I happily watched from afar. I was like, yeah, you do that. Um, I can confirm the island is on fire. Can confirm I completed the construction of my <laughs> my raft and left Dylan Brooks Island. However, oh, I am yet to be rescued and picked up. No one has sent the ship to finally bring me home. So I'm still floating around. Dylan Brooks Island is still right there. I can see it. There was a little bit of like a nice little like storm that did not affect my raft at all. My, my raft was in the part of the ocean that was not hit by the storm. But it put out a little bit of fire right around, I don't know, last Friday night or something. A little bit of that fire got put out on Dylan Brooks Island. But, yeah, it it was a blaze. I may or may not have decided I didn't need a bit of kerosene and tossed it on to the island as I was leaving. But um, all that to say, I have my paddle and I have the strength to get back. But, man, a storm of swirling change has to come. To put out that fire before I go, but I do have something for you. We talked about this a little bit before, and so, ladies and gentlemen of the Grizz Nine Hundred One Podcast, I present to you the case for Dylan Brooks. So this is going to be terrible. Yeah, almost certainly. (laughs) So last year, I just want to put a little bit context into this. Jaron Jackson Jr., which some people talked about we, we talked about this last pod didn't like jaron and i was like you guys are idiots and everyone that had a brain was like you guys are idiots and then like they point out the flaws were all like yeah you're still a dummy like the flaws are there but you don't pass up on that kind of talent and potential now what you're not going to hear me say here in the case for dylan brooks that he has that kind of talent and potential very clear he does not have that talent and potential that jaron has however as you said on the last podcast, there is a need for a Dylan Brooks that has just enough crazy sprinkled in to really set the team on fire, that can switch one through five on defense, that can do something creation offensively that is needed on this team outside of John Morant. But obviously what we saw in the playoffs was a version of Dylan that was trying way too hard to create his own shot to the point where I had to leave the Island. But I do want to throw out something that is similar to Jaron last year, which was Jaron played 11 games last year. 
And any and everybody who is a Jaron defender, which is, in my opinion, a Grizzlies fan, was like, Jaron only played 11 games. What do you want him to do? Come back from a meniscus tear and just be superstar from day one? No, that's super unreasonable to ask, right? It makes no sense to ask that of him. Well, Dylan Brooks this year, I went and looked it up because I was like, I was pretty well off the island. And in all seriousness, you and me had talked about this. I was like, dude, I can't do this anymore. And I went and I looked afterwards and I was like, huh. Dylan only played 32 games this year, which is 39% of the regular season. This is regular season, doesn't include playoffs. In that, in that stretch, he played 19 games on a pseudo regular, missed about a week in between basis. Then he missed two weeks in between games 19 and 20. I want to say it was some kind of soreness. I can't remember what it was. But then he missed over two months between game 21 and 22. And so he really played what was a 21-game stint that even had little bumps in between that and were all coming off injury. And then he was injured for another two months and played another 11 games coming off of injury. So it's almost like he had many seasons of 21 games and 11 games. Now we're going to get into the case against Dylan Brooks here in a second, but let's be honest. Like that's, that's not a small thing to be coming off of. Right. And the the things that Dylan needs to be better at, as far as being able to make shots and get to his mid range and getting some kind of offensive rhythm that could play a part in that, right. Of only playing X amount of games, all off of injury, that's a real thing that I think we did not, because Dylan has just been Dylan <laughs> for so long, nobody really wanted to take that into account. But when I went back and looked at it, I was very surprised at, oh, he, at how that played out, right? And that played a part in that. And so as far, like, I don't think we're going to see Dylan be that bad unless he comes off of injury again in his career. Like, he may have games he may have a few games but I mean Dylan was consistently terrible <laughs> this season like it wasn't like a, oh he had flashes. like no he was bad I don't think you see Dylan be consistently that bad again in his career now that's a case for Dylan Brooks here is a case against Dylan Brooks a Dylan Brooks who I love a Dylan Brooks who I have adamantly defended on this podcast and elsewhere a Dylan Brooks, who I think has been integral to this team and Memphians everywhere should be thankful for the role he's played on this team, regardless of how things play out. I There is zero chance Dylan Brooks fits on this team if he doesn't figure out he is not the first, second, third, or fourth guy. He just can't do it. And that was, that was what flipped the switch for me where I left the proverbial island in game four was – that game was in hand and it wasn't just it, it wasn't just where the Grizzlies have an opportunity to win it and then Dylan tried to take over and it's like Jaron had that game taken over there was a guy who was a guy in that game and Dylan wanted so badly to come back and be the guy that he let that game slip away now in the grand scheme of things it's going to be hard for Jaw to come back i'm not saying Dylan single-handedly lost in the series as an overreaction, it's a silly thing to say. But he did lose them that game. You can throw in coaching stuff in there, whatever you want to do. And it wasn't a 
nobody is stepping up, so I'm going to take the shots. It was a selfish, I want to be the guy. And if Dylan Brooks can't realize that he is not the guy in roles one through four, like there are going to be four players ahead of him typically. So you got Ja, you got Jaron, you got Desmond Bain. And to be honest, you're going to have better shot makers on the floor typically in an option of, my bad, Anthony Melton and Zaire Williams probably going forward. To be honest, Zaire Williams is probably going to end up being number four ahead of Dylan. You cannot do that. You just can't do it. And that is the case against Dylan Brooks. I said it time and time again. I'm riding with Dylan until the negative outweighs the positive. And the negative outweighed the positive in the playoffs. And the negative was not that, oh, Dylan can't make shots. It was Dylan is going to keep shooting even though he's not making shots. And you cannot, cannot, cannot do that. You cannot insert yourself into games where you do not need to be inserted. And that is the big thing with Dylan. Can he accept that role? Because Dylan, I think, can be an awesome role player somewhere in the league. I would love for it to be with the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm not sure he can convert himself, convince himself to step into that role while he's playing for this team just because of the history that's there. If he can, I think everyone should get on the train, and you will find me back on the island without a doubt. But if he can't, then I don't know. I may get tricked into going back on the island, and then I'll burn my foot, and I'll have to go jump back into the ocean. But those are the cases for and against Dylan Brooks. I hope the case for Dylan Brooks wins out. I love him. I have for a long time. But if he can't flip that switch, it's just not going to happen. He, I think he'll be on the team next year unless they can make a big move. But I, I don't think I don't think he can be a part of the best version of this team unless he flips that switch. So there you go. There is my soliloquy. All right. So I like it. I'm going to give you a few stats and I'll kind of break down some things on him. He played 32 games this year. The Grizzlies went 22 and 10 in those games. So obviously 12 games above 500 uh, on that. And so that's a good stat. Um, field goals, he averaged 16.4 field goals, um, you know, and that's a little too much and that's probably a little under because there are games where he did play and, um, he left due to injury or for whatever reasons, like he didn't play a lot of minutes and and two games, um, maybe they're both for injury because you said that he did get injured twice. So, um, his field goal percentage, 43%. Not bad at all, right? I'll take that. He 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 has averaged uh, under that the majority of his career uh, outside of his first season where he averaged 44. So he's 43.2%. His three-point percentage was 30.9, which is his lowest in his career. That's really where you look at that long ball. He didn't have it. Uh, but the rest was fine. Like he did and, and averaged higher numbers overall than he's ever had and rebounds and assists, okay? So, and even, well, and even blocks. Like, he still had 1.1. So, he's doing the little things. You know, he's doing better. But what needs to change for Dylan Brooks is knowing when to kind of pass off just someone else. He takes a lot of stupid shots, which is his issue. It's not because he's not a good shooter. It's not because he's not a good player. It's not because he's not a good defender. 
he just takes some of the dumbest shots at the worst times. And so he has to understand that part of his game. But I like Dylan Brooks on the team because I think he brings something different. He's not, he doesn't cost a lot of money. But also, if you go out and trade him, what are you getting back for him? Are you right. getting are you getting a guy who can defend every position? Someone who guards um, Anthony Edwards and shuts down D'Angelo Russell. Someone who ends up guarding Carl Anthony Towns in a playoff game. Someone who goes to the next um, you know series and guards Steph Curry. That's the player that Dylan Brooks is. So I love the player and I love what he's able to bring to the team. But can he take a step back to Desmond Bain taking more shots? Can he be the guy who creates and is able to get past people with a nice dump off for an easy look, an easy dunk, whatever it might be? That's the difference. And I think that's where his game has to change. So I'm not sure it can because I don't think his pride will allow that. But But if his pride can take a step back, he would be the best player to put next to uh, you know, John and Bain. Oh yeah. And that's, that's the Dylan Brooks dilemma is he's such a good fit, but can he, it's all a mental switch. Can he make the mental switch of the, everyone takes bad shots, but can you limit those bad shots to late in the shot clock or the team's really struggling. Someone's just got to go get a bucket. So you take a bad shot type of thing. There's a, there's acceptable bad shots and then there's unacceptable bad shots. And he just will take early shot clock bad shots when like three guys on the team are cooking. And he's like, Oh, I got this. Right. <laughs> like does a heat check when he's over six. Right. That's the kind of stuff you just can't have. And I do think that it was in game four of the playoffs. That wasn't, that was an ego thing. That was a, I want to be the guy here thing. Um, I believe he thinks he can be the guy. I don't think he would do that if he thought he couldn't make he those shots. Le- he thinks he's LeBron. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware. But <laughs> it's I do in general think Dylan is a team player. I think he wants what is best for the team truly and is willing to make sacrifices to do it. But he has to get to a place where mentally he can he can understand that the best thing for the team is for him to be fourth on a team in shots. Mm. You know, and can he do it? I don't know. I, I hope so. I hope so. I love to make a return to my beloved island. It will grow back so green and lush. But I don't know. Here's hoping. All right. So we broke down every player for the most part, every player that means something pretty much to this team. Sorry, Jared uh, Culver. <laughs> yeah, did we, is that who we left off? So we have 14 guys. Is he one of the guys we left off? Um, Man, I feel real bad about that. Yeah. See you later, bro. Um, all right. So this, you know, with, with this team, I think there is a lot of, um, you know, brightness to this team, as everybody calls, you know, the, they have the, one of the brightest futures. Um, that is 100% the case. But there's a lot that will and can happen in this offseason. So I'm curious if what, what questions get answered. Like the Grizzlies have two draft picks, right, in the first round what's going to happen with those? Do they try to package those together and move up to grab one player? Do they try to package those together and a player to move up? They try to package one of them to move up with a player. There's so much that they can do. Plus with the second rounder this year, and they have a future golden state warriors uh, pick that's in, I think 24, 25. 
Um, there's so much that they have potential to do. And the window, it's not always open. Look at the Phoenix Suns. That window, it's kind of closing because mm-hmm. you have injuries or you have some, you know, you have somebody who just ages out of that window, like Chris Paul. And then now they have, you know, DeAndre Ayton who they have to play or, or have to pay. There's so much that could happen. I I believe in striking when you have the chance, because right now the Grizzlies, man, they have that window wide open. I just want them to kind of just walk straight through it. um, And I would be completely happy. I just don't know what they do. I also don't want to mess up the culture of this team because they built something uh, very good with here, but um, that's all we have in this. I know we went kind of long on back-to-back podcasts, but uh, we want to break down everything. This might be my my longest, you know, podcast breaking down the full season, the full team. But there's going to be more. We have the content. We're going to keep firing away. Uh, Monday, Monday, Monday. We have a conspiracy theory coming at you from none other than Ryan. I don't know what the conspiracy theory is, but he is a conspiracy theorist. He calls himself and. Some, it's about Jaws injury. I listen. I don't know, but I'm excited to hear about it. It's something to do with Jaws injury. That's the only because I had to find out why. What are we talking about? Like, is it Grizzlies related? He's like, oh yeah, it's about Jaw. Uh, okay, it, just just a conspiracy about it about his injury. Oh, okay. That's all I got. I so I will be learning, just like you all will be learning. Um, but I, it, it's going to be funny, and I can't wait. I'm probably going to blow up Ryan about it, uh, but it's going to be fun. You're going to, you're going to hear the, the, probably the fire truck come to his house and he lives an hour away from you know, the boonies from anywhere. <laughs> That's why we can barely record anymore. Cause his, his wifi is so bad. So another shot to you, Ryan, go get some better <laughs> internet. Um, all right. Nathan Qualls is here. He's with Grizzly. Make sure you go follow him at Mem Grizz Homer. Nathan, do you have anything before we get out of here? Uh, you might not be back here for a little bit. Yeah, maybe not. I'm sort of taking a little bit of hiatus. Uh, I, I might come out with a few more pieces. I know we want to do. I I I specifically want to do some deep dives on some players um, looking at next year. Zaire, especially. I just couldn't be more excited about a player going into this next season. But uh, I don't know. Maybe put a little season recap out there. Maybe tag team it with some guys. Um, we'll see what goes on with that. But no, I might do some uh some some Nate's off season tweets. And just get some get some feedback from you guys. This will be non basketball related. There will be about probably a lot of music stuff. I was listening to Purple Rain today during my workout and got me really really in a good place. So it might be some Prince related tweets out there. Um, everybody loves Little Michael. We, we might see what goes on there. But be on the lookout for those if you enjoy just random facts and you just want to get some holistic Twitter content. So. Um, wholesome Twitter content. Sorry, not holistic. We will not cover everything. It will be very dumb. I'm sorry. I asked if you had anything. I, I apologize to everybody. I don't know. I don't know. You know what he was talking about. You asked and I answered. You're welcome. All right. That's all we have. Uh, like I said, we have so much content coming up. We're not stopping. I'm actually feeling more energetic because I have the entire next two and a half months planned out, which is weird okay don't tell my wife because she'll probably think i need to plan out dinner or something like that like I'm, i don't want to do that i want to, I want to plan grizz content that's all i want to do i just, just leave me alone with it um all right well, nathan thanks for coming on again uh we're gonna try to see if we can uh do something different this this uh this summer this off season 
bring you content that maybe nobody else is doing. If there's something you want to hear, if there's somebody you want to have on the podcast, an interview for us to do. Uh, I'm even thinking about handing over the range for a few episodes, maybe to uh, to Nathan and Chris and let them do some deep dives on players. I think that'd be a lot of fun as well. Um, anything that we can do to kind of make it fun and keep the summer going with the Grizzlies, we got to keep doing it. All right. You have a great week. Be nice and tell your friends.